0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really... No this, is, this is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway,
1: runway in the front yard.
2: <laughs> so the weird thing about this episode is that it's starting not with Jack Hodgson. It is. That is a strange
0: uh, part of this episode. For a major episode. Well, that's true. Now, we he did... Uh, the last episode last year was basically Dave's production, and Dave did a great job at that.
2: Um, not, but- with, not without a fair amount of, uh, of objection, though. I remember hearing you on the episode saying, "I want to do this again." <laughs> so somehow or another, uh, I got nominated, and my name is Mike Morgan. And I've been involved with uncontrolled airspace since something in the low 100s in terms of episode oh, I numbers. I think it
0: was earlier than that. But you're you're, you're
2: one of the, the
0: friends of the podcast.
2: And there are a lot of those. And right. so for that reason, I don't consider myself special. But the, well, the, but what I'm doing right now is I'm your engineer basically because I'm a volunteer with EAA Radio, and once again, we're using their studio today. So I walked. Uh, I. I I waltzed in here expecting to be the engineer, and now I find out that I am the Jack Hodgson by proxy, which sounds like a medical condition, and we'll figure that, that out in exactly. an hour or so.
1: There are several governments that have declared that exact disease. It, it, it sounds so much better than the original Latin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um, so welcome, folks, to uh, uh, this episode of Uncontrolled Airspace that is happening uh, as we love to do, back on location in one of the most special places in aviation, the grounds of the 2016 edition of Air Venture Oshkosh. Absolutely. Uh, I'm joined as uh, almost always by uh, Jeb <laughs> Burnside and by Dave Higdon. How you doing, Jeb? I'm well. Uh, it's been a fun day. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good
0: to hit the sleeping bag tonight.
2: Yeah? Have, yeah. You, have you been doing a lot of strenuous stuff today, a
0: lot of walking, a lot of something? Not so much walking, but uh, flight up here, uh, landing, tie down the airplane, set up camp, uh, go to the local Target
1: store, provision. He just, just flew in from Florida, and just, boy, just, are his arms tired. <laughs>
2: well, I guess that's the answer that's to, the, to the first question, how did Jeb get here this year?
0: Um, flew up from Sarasota, left Sarasota yesterday morning. <laughs> well just a few minutes right after noon, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> and uh, stopped in Athens, uh, Georgia, picked up, uh, had lunch, picked up a friend of mine, another friend of the podcast, and we did a nonstop from Athens, Georgia to Madison, Wisconsin, landed before 8 local time, and uh, had a steak dinner with all the trimmings, and uh, um, uh, got up the next morning, here I am.
2: Fabulous. So all your flying then was on, on Friday?
0: No, I flew this morning, too. Oh. Yeah, I flew flew in
1: here from Madison. That may have been the most stressful part of the trip for him. I think it probably was, actually. Talk about that, then.
0: Well, there's this weather thing moving in from the southwest, uh, southwest of Madison. And and Madison itself is southwest of Oshkosh. So there's this morning while I'm having my coffee, I look at my my phone and say, "Eh, let's, let's find out what the weather might be if you want to fly in an hour. (laughs) <laughs> um So I pulled up the next red and it was it was one of those oh my gods, um, it, it, what I call um, Hello Kitty artwork colors. Yeah, the, the light magenta and the white, and the colors that you just don't not the big three the red, green, yellow but all kinds of other colors. Ooh, yeah, and it was it was like that. So I beat wh- feet and got in here before any of that stuff hit.
2: Okay, by how much do you know?
0: It hasn't really hit hard here yet
2: at yeah. all. So, just truth, truth, and labeling. We're recording on Saturday night, mm-hmm. and uh, those of us, uh, th- those of you who are listening on EA Radio or on the stream, will hear it uh, uh, on, on uh, at the end of the day on Monday. Uh, already, the uh, humidification air is up at maximum here, and uh, so the air really wants to let go of
1: the moisture that's in it. Oh, the AC in my car. Yeah, it looks like a smoke machine. It's a special effects device yep. uh, on a movie set. Yep. It's billowing moisture. It's like being in Florida, but without the mountains.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Took me a minute. Took me a minute. Now the 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 typical uh, the mo for you in the past has been uh, you you have a key, it goes in a knob. You're in a room. There's an air conditioner. There's a bed. There are sheets it's it's you know a life in Oshkosh like those of us who are camping can only dream of is there something different about your situation this time around um, I'm here um, purely
0: as uh, a journalist this this time I'm pure my, my only real function this month this this year I should say is to do stuff for UCAP, for uncontrolled airspace wow I'm not representing any other outlet yeah I'm a free agent okay and um that's a new role for me.
2: Does that mean you're in a tent, then? Like, It like, means I'm in a tent. Uh,
0: I'm in the cheap seats. Okay. But and it's
1: lovely. The palatial estates we have in Camp Shawler. Uh, some of them are multi-room with hard shells. I think they call them RVs. Uh, some of them are more fabric in nature. Yeah? And, yeah. You, and you know what?
2: Uh, I've already screwed up here as the host because I didn't say and— Dave Higdon. We have
0: well, welcome once we again. Just, we just have we're just easing into it. Don't worry.
1: Okay, I just checked. It is me. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And and so Dave, how did you get to Oshkosh? Uh, in the most detestable way imaginable, short of uh, walking, uh, I drove up from Wichita Friday, uh, left before sunrise, and uh, rolled in here well, about forty-five minutes ahead of sunset. Oh my goodness. And, I don't know, covered 780, 85 miles or so. Uh, Nice drive. Saw big parts of Iowa that I'd seen many, many times, except I'd never seen them this close to the ground before. Uh, Well, that's a change. It it, it was different. Uh, Crossing the Mississippi uh, up uh, Dubuque at Dubuque uh, instead of crossing between Cedar Rapids and Dubuque. Being able to see a little bit of both cities from a few thousand feet up. Uh, I'll confess, uh, I wouldn't be heartbroken if this was the last time I drive this round trip. <laughs> okay, got it. Well, so this just makes you a lot more empathetic to how Jack normally gets here,
2: right? You'll you guys have all kinds of things to
1: talk about this week, right? Yeah, and it, the troubling thing about it is I only drove this year because of how much stuff I'd need to make a decent, comfortable campsite. Yeah, uh. Otherwise, I'd come up, you know, human mailing to rent a car, uh, maybe still can't. But it's really hard to get that much gear on the airlines without paying excessive baggage charge yeah. for what would truly be excessive baggage. So it, it, it evens out. This yeah. is my punishment for not having an airplane.
2: Well, I'm, uh, well now you're working on that. I'm and, working on that. And in the next segment of, uh, of this program, we're going to talk about that in, in some depth. This is my, I think it's eighth or ninth maybe. Oshkosh, and uh, I have driven to all of them. I've passed up on a couple of opportunities to fly with people, always for the reason you just mentioned. Always because I, I was camping, as part of this EA radio gig. You know, there, there's a camp camping area that's available for us, so that we can get in early, 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 and have you know good access in and out. Um, so uh, I have always passed on the opportunity to fly here. Maybe someday I can work it where somebody else can. Bring my gear for me, and then uh, maybe
1: I can pick it up once I get here. Well, never forget. There's also those people whose motto at Christmas time is "We'll make it fit." Oh yes, that's, right. It, that's if I'm able to fly myself next year. I'm still going to need more gear than I can carry on the little airplane I'm building. But I have friends in the neighborhood would be happy to accept and sign for a ground yeah. shipment of gear that. We'll promptly get packed back up and go back the other way once I'm flown home. My, oh, my. So uh, so, so, there are options. We're going to make it work. So what are your first impressions then on uh,
2: kind of cruising through the grounds as you've been able to so far today? Right now the weather sucks
0: is <laughs> <laughs> my, big, my big impression. Uh, it's just very humid and heavy, and, and there's not much of a breeze. So... Um, the. Uh, I don't know what the weather forecast is for. Improving conditions uh, early in the week and, and at least uh, through late in the week. Uh, for the, the whole week, will be that way. Who knows? But it's it's, it's hot and heavy and muggy and it, it doesn't have a good feel to it. Yeah. Um,
1: it's already killing the photographers. the guys that come up here and want to do aerial missions and and and, uh stuff on the ground with you know that golden light that you get in the first 30 or first 60 and last 60 of the day not happening not under current conditions maybe in a day or two it'll get more like that Uh, but uh then there's the fact that they need to have a standard issue machete so you can cut your way through the air here on, on the way it's really thick like jeb said but it's Wisconsin yeah. in the summertime, yeah. and I can't remember a time when it was comfortably not humid, you know, where people were walking around going, man, it's dry. Uh, yeah. ah, it's killing me. So right. this isn't new. It's just it we all come from some place where it's not generally this thick, except Chubb, he lives in Florida.
0: And I've got the air conditioning down there. You can't exist in Florida <laughs> without the air conditioning. Right. Here I'm sleeping in a tent.
1: We did learn a valuable lesson on this trip, though. And what's that? If you're going to travel and you buy beer in advance, do not try to be a bright guy and cool it with dry ice. Because? It freezes the beers next to the dry ice, and they have something of a solid transformation. Okay. And they're probably not going to stay in the bottles that they were intended to stay in. No, they they kind of pop their tops. Wow.
2: Wow. And with that, folks, welcome to Uncontrolled. Actually, this is the second time I've said that. You know, you bring in the Bush leagues, and then, you know, things happen.
1: Yeah, you're doing fine, man.
2: Yeah. Well, you you know, normally, when it comes to working with a podcast, I'm back in the corner with my digital razor blade and my digital splicing tape, and I'm taking, and I'm, I'm not kidding here, from a collection of over 325 snippets of audio of things that you perhaps wish you hadn't said at least... Maybe out of context, and then kind of mixing them up. Jack thinks I'm
1: insane. Uh, it's kind uh, of a we habit. Think, we think you're great folks. Those of you, it, it, Mike's not giving himself enough credit here. He's, he's the guy primarily responsible for a lot of the opening snippets and, right. and, and and promos that's and right. things that you hear at the beginning of the podcast and sometimes in the middle of the podcast and sometimes after the podcast.
3: Yeah, so, so that's it, my contribution. Mike's,
1: Mike's very creative. and, and Some of the stuff I listen to, and I go, I'd have never thought of that. Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't have known how to do it because— I've never been able to pick up a digital razor blade without cutting myself.
0: That's the thing. I, I I don't have a magnifying glass that 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 I can really do justice with to to get that
1: that digital razor blade out. Yeah,
2: it's uh, all I can say is very carefully. <laughs> I,
1: I get that. I get that. No, you make us sound better than we are. Well, thank you. It's uh, and certainly more professional.
2: I I enjoy it tremendously.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
2: And uh, thank you for your kind words. So, uh, given that we're um, uh, doing this uh, sort of dual purpose, one for air and one for podcast, we're going to break this as if if we're doing, you know, 15-minute air segments on EAA Radio. So, you're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. If you've ever done any hangar flying. What's that? You know, sitting with friends at the airport. Talking about whatever they were talking about. Then meet some new flying friends on the radio. Um, okay. Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast, will take the microphone of EAA Radio twice during Air Venture. Why didn't you tell us about this? Put an ad in the local paper. Producer Jack Hodgson. Right. Journalist Dave Higdon. Oh, uh, yeah, again. And journalist Jeb Burnside. You are correct, sir. <laughs> and some of their friends will be, uh, well... This is a virtual hangar flying podcast. Right, right. That should not be a criminal offense. You can hear the Monday night after the air show about 6 o'clock. Get that? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And Sunday morning at 9.30. Rush right out and buy that one, too. But what is so interesting about this? It is delightful. It's what we promised everyone. And so it recharges the batteries. Oh, that's an idea. Uncontrolled airspace Monday and Sunday on EAA Radio. That'll be cool. Looking forward to it. Well, they have let us back onto the air for another 15 minutes, at least. It's like a parking meter. We're, we're plunking a, chunk, a token a chunk, in for every chunk. quarter hour. Uh, you're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EA Radio. I'm Stuck Mike, or Mike Morgan, depending on who you talk to at, at this EA Radio volunteer gig that I've been doing for several years. Uh, Jeb and, and Dave are here, and we're bringing in uh, a great friend of the podcast, Charlie Becker from uh, EAA. Charlie, welcome. Thank you very much, Mike. And thank you so much for talking to us, because we know that with uh, Sunday morning, just a few hours away, you are a busy guy. Charlie is the director of chapters, the director of communities, and the home-built community manager. And so everything that has to do with uh, sort of the personal impact of aviation EAA style on an individual, that's all you.
3: Not all me, but I
2: I have a, a hand in it, that's for sure. You do. So, we want to again thank you for, for being here. So, tell us from, uh, from your perspective, uh, with the EAA hat on or off, your choice, what's new this year that you're looking forward to at, at AirVenture Oshkosh?
3: Well, um, you know, this is about, uh, I was thinking about it, this is my 23rd uh, Oshkosh. Wow. Uh, about seven of those weren't on staff, the rest have been on staff, and uh, everyone is great. I would obviously would not miss it. Now I can't miss it because I work here. Uh, I have the advantage, unlike Je- uh, Jeb, of going home and sleeping in my own bed every night. So that that's a big plus. Uh, personal grooming is a, it, you know is a lot better when you have a real house to go it, home. It will to. become
0: <laughs> important later in the week, yeah.
3: right? I'll I'll look over and see how Jeb's faring on about day five. <laughs> but uh, every year is great. Every year has something different. Um, I love. The home builds, obviously, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Oshkosh. And one of the things that's so great about it is that you cannot see it all. But for me, the highlights is seeing the unique aircraft that fly in right outside of home builders' headquarters. We got a SIGnet, you know, that hasn't been here, and we've got just some really interesting aircraft that I even had, I have not had a chance to go over and look at. Um, over in Homebuilt Camping that I want to check out. There's kind of like a, it almost looks like a Veep Hill Bonanza. So I want to check that out and see what, what's going on over there. But to me, that, that's really the show within the show. Um, you know, it's not going to be the headline stuff that you see, but for me, I come for the homebuilds and see what's new and different. I know Zenith has a new product. Uh, they, they acquired the rights to the SAM, and they've put a 0360 in it and made it a tail dragger, and I think that's going to be, really cool i want to see that when it gets here so for me that's that's the big thing
1: well that's the whole fundamental foundation of eaa and the flying not just at oshkosh but back before that in rockford illinois and before that at uh, mitchell field in milwaukee it's always been about the home belts and it's uh it's great to see there's so much Activity going on at how dynamic it is. People are continuing to innovate and try to uh, what would be the word advance the state of the art and make it easier, faster, less expensive to own. Uh, I think if you look at the registrations, the two leading areas in new aircraft the last few years have been
3: light sport and and experimental amateur built. Absolutely, we typically see anywhere from about 700 to 1,000 new amateur builds added every year. That's more than all the produ- you know piston production manufacturers put together. Isn't
1: that a hell of a statement about the state of our industry? Well, that well, the biggest, the, the the largest number of new airplanes produced are built by the people that own them. Yep. Yeah, it,
0: it is an interesting uh, statistic. Uh, uh, there's still a lot of store bought airplanes out there um, they're just not making new ones.
2: So Charlie, if you look at the kinds of requests for assistance that come into EAA, are you seeing patterns or trends among home building? Uh, is the percentage of kits, uh, compared to all, is that pretty, pretty stable? Is that continuing to grow? So more kits, fewer plans built?
3: Um, absolutely. There's definitely more kit built aircraft. There's no question about that. Having said that, um, There's probably more plans built today than there was back in 1970, just because there's that many more people involved. You know, I'm scratch building a, a Super Cub knockoff, and you know when you look at it, it's it's funny. There's if you look back at the history of VAA, there's this hockey stick growth curve that you see kick off in about the 70s. And that's when kits came on onto the market, basically. And, you know, before, I mean, really, when you look at 1953 to 1970, there was like 6,000 amateur builds built in all that time, you know. (laughs) And then from then it just goes, it just pitches up and keeps going. And, you know, that's just the kit market. I wouldn't have scratched, you know, I'm scratch building one now. I would have never done it if I hadn't started first with a kit.
1: Yeah, you, got get, you get a good idea.
3: You get a good idea of what goes
1: into an airplane—the parts, uh, not necessarily the skills for some of those uh, assemblies. But you, when you build one from a kit, you've got all these parts that accumulate into one flying airplane, and you kind of see how the the, the structure is organized, how it's built. It's got to make scratch building one a lot more approachable. Having successfully built one from a kit.
3: Yeah. I don't, I, you know, I, I have a newfound respect for all the, all, you know, for the people that, that did scratch build because, you know, I've, I'm on multi, multiple years into this super cub and, and you only work on it a, a couple of times a week. It's me and a friend are building twins. So we, we do it together, but uh, you know, you just got to make everything. I mean, you know, which is good because I have very little money. I have less than a thousand dollars probably into this super cub fuselage, but on the flip side, You know, every time you go to do something, you got to make it first. You know, the only thing we've purchased is wheels, brakes, and the axle itself. But we built the gear, built the fuselage, you know, so it's all just raw tubing. But I could see where a lot of people would just give up somewhere in that process because it's just so slow going. Now, Dave was smart. He went with a quick build kit (laughs) on his YX. And it looks like it's practically done when they deliver it. It's
1: uh, it it comes with a a a really appealing level of pre pre -pre completion (laughs) done. Uh, As a friend of mine said when he was helping me arrange my shop a few months ago, he said, "So you got one that's about eighty percent done?" And I went, "Yeah." And he goes, "That's great, man. It means you only got ninety percent left to go." (laughs) (laughs) On
0: on the box when it was delivered, did it say Ravel or Monogram?
1: Uh, it said, do not inhale the glue. Oh, okay. Ow. (laughs) I mean, ow. Ow.
2: (laughs) So let's talk about your project, Dave. I mean, that's one of the cool things about having Charlie here is that he represents a resource pool that's, uh, uh, wonderful for anybody doing building. And if it were not somebody as experienced as you, you know, I would expect them to be on the phone a lot.
1: Well, uh... (laughs) I'm not sure how experienced I am. Everything I've learned about home building, I learned either by going to a factory workshop or by screwing it up and having to start over. On this project or or other ones? Other ones. Okay. Uh, The first airplane I built was an ultralight, a Part 103. Yeah. And basically all the parts came vacuum molded to pieces of cardboard with part numbers. And you took a box cutter and cut all the plastic off all the parts and followed the instructions. And everything just bolted together. And you stretched the wings on and you put the little single cylinder on there. And four Duracell batteries to fire the ignition system you're
2: not you're not kidding right now are you
1: oh, no i'm not no i'd say it'd been put you know two cycle mix in this little plastic gas tank yeah. up on the keel and stand behind the propeller flip the ignition switch on and go swat, jump in the seat fasten in a seat belt and go putt 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 put. yeah and it was great it took off at 25 it flew level at 35 it landed at 25
2: yeah Stalled at 24, something like that? Something
1: like that, yeah. yeah. I, I, and never really actually got it to stall. As soon as you backed the throttle off, it started to land. It seemed to be wow. compelled to do that. <laughs> uh, and if you were going to actually fly it anywhere or fly it for, you know, like more than an hour at a time, it paid to take – a couple of pockets full of extra Duracells and fly high enough that you could change the batteries when the ignition system died. Then all you had to do is reach up from the seat and go flip, 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 and it'd fire right back up. All that is to say this is a little bit of a different animal, right? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. It was a little airplane called a Weed Hopper. Uh, After that, I built a Quicksilver MX, uh, helped finish a CGS Hawk. Then got really ambitious, and my uh, uh, bride sent me to, uh, uh, out to Oregon to Van's home building school, and I brought home the tail of an RB6. That I'll confess, having attended their classes for a week and learning from a guy that built prototypes for Van, my, my tail came out marvelous. It doesn't look that good today. Uh, it came out great. Sold it because I got impatient to fly. I bought a Cherokee and things took in a different route. Now the Sonex, the fuselage is done. It's the YX, the little Y tail. The fuselage is done. The canopy is mounted. The wings are finished, absent the control surfaces. They've already been fitted to the fuselage, rigged, set, and finished. Drilled and bolted in, checked, and taken apart again. Uh, so, like I said, it's about eighty percent done, and only ninety percent left to go. Wow, that's outstanding! Uh, and for some reason I cannot comprehend, it seems like about within a few weeks of the kit getting delivered and finally getting all the parts organized and unpacked, so I had an actual shop space to do the rest of the work in. My uh, freelance work took a huge spike that I haven't seen in anything like this in years and basically has sucked 90% of the free time in my life out of but it's paid for the engine and it's got enough money for the avionics and so it's helping so the spike in the freelance work was
2: a fortunate thing but it wasn't caused by the the building right no
1: not totally unrelated okay totally unrelated most of the work that's doing this is completely unrelated to the home-built business. It just happens to be about aviation and involved, be dealing with a lot of other pilots, including some corporate pilots who happen to be home-builders. So yeah. it, it, There's some symmetry to it. Well, so you're talking about, uh, known by another
2: name, work-life balance, right? If, if life is the, is the building the airplane. And I was going to ask Charlie if he'd comment about what, what kind of stories do you hear about people or what are your own experiences about managing this work-life balance when you're trying to build?
3: Well, uh, it's like a lot of things. You can't. You have to devote it enough. It's not going to build itself. I mean, that's that's clear. Okay, even when you get the quick build like Dave did, it's not going to build itself. Steady, you know, drips of effort by you. I always try to tell everybody: if you can just spend five, ten minutes on it, it's that will help you tremendously because it's a little bit. Um, You know, if you can just keep yourself mentally engaged, even just going down, looking at the plans, going, okay, next time I get time, I will do this, okay? Uh, So it's a little bit like exercise in that, you know, it's a whole lot easier if you're doing a little bit every day rather than like, I'm going to try to do 10 hours today and then not going to do anything for a month and then do another 10 hours. Do, Do you find yourself
0: thinking about putting together the plan for what you're going to do? Uh, All right, so I want to build this longer on tomorrow. So I want to make sure that this one has XYZ features on it uh, because it's going to be the one that maybe has an aileron hinge or something. Is that the way you look at this?
3: I try to tell everybody to only focus on what they're building meaning you're if tomorrow you're going to fabricate the you know the right longeron or you know whatever it is you know the right spar blank or i'm going to drill that is you have to break it down because when you get towards the end and one of the downsides of what what dave did with the quick build is it looks like an airplane i mean and there's no getting around it i mean you know i've seen the quick build kits when they get delivered and it looks so much like an airplane that you can't help but walk into your shop and think it's an airplane. Why can't it fly? But yet there's a, you know, there's a punch list <laughs> a of lift. 89 things you have to do. And I found when I got to the end of my Sonics that it was that was the hardest part. You, you know, I try to tell everybody just, you know, OK, this weekend you're going to try to make and, you know, make the, the right flap and then celebrate the fact that you got that done. And don't look at it as the airplane. You know, you're you know, you're just doing yeah. a whole bunch of subtasks and break it down into small parts, and you just kind of grind away and get through that stuff. Setting achievable goals. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, you're just you know, it's the whole you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know. So when we come back, we're going to
2: talk about what's uh, next for uh, Dave you in this project and and uh, how much time it's going to take to do the the 90% (laughs) remaining that's 10% of the project. You're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. And now a special report. Congratulations to the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast for podcasting for a full decade. Of course, I did the CBS Evening News for 19 years, so get over yourselves. And that's the way... We get jiggy with it.
1: Episode. 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 Welcome, folks. Bogus. Wow. Bogus. There's no question about that. Flabbergast. Episode. Episode. This is a virtual hangar-flying podcast basking in the glow once again. (sighs) Well, we took the long scenic route to get there. Who cares? No, I think it's kind of cool. It is such a thrill to be here. Makes me shiver. Nobody
0: knows. This one's pretty good.
1: Well, thank you very much. How did you know? Nobody knows. What else do we know? For sure. What are the facts here? first I'm not even sure it rose to the level of a reportable incident good news very nice very nice cool cool again cool cool oh yeah again cool cool let's do this cool Cool. I get it now all right now here's where it gets interesting
2: I wonder if there were enough things to talk about for an hour
0: and a half Why, why is this coming to light
3: now
1: why didn't you tell us about this?
3: No one's more surprised than me. But here's the really cool treasure that I came across.
1: Yes, sir, Mr. Higdon. The punchline, punchline, punchline is... Jeb's tangy. whoa, 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 back up. I think you're on the money there. Jeb's tangy. Oh, yeah! And You would have no way of knowing that. I don't know if it's true or not. What was his problem? Well, can you make that stop? <laughs> then maybe it'll be over. Here's but the punchline... punchline. It's what we promised everyone.
2: <laughs> and now, today's uncontrolled airspace update on weather and safety. First, weather. Man, there's some Whiskey Tango Foxtrot weather out there. And now, safety. Try to take
0: off with one engine on fire and you never hear the end of it. <laughs>
2: no. And we're back with uncontrolled airspace on EAA Radio. Okay, they've given us another 15 minutes. The meter's still running. This is Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. I hope somebody brought more quarters. I was going to say, someone's going to have to run out of quarters at some point. Uh, That's Jeb Burnside along with Dave Higdon. I'm uh, Stuck Mike, a.k.a. Mike Morgan with EAA Radio. And we're talking with Charlie Becker, Director of Chapters and of Communities and the Home Built Community Manager for EAA, about Dave's project. And you were saying during the break... That there's a process that you go through when you're building things that come in pairs.
1: Well, I was talking to Charlie, Charlie was one of the early Sonics builders when
3: it came in, and the kit that he worked out. Did you scratch build that? No, it was not scratch build. But to give uh, uh, some perspective of how the Sonics kit has evolved, the ones that we did, we actually uh, banged out the ribs. So the the blanks were there, but you still had to form them yourself with a you know rubber mallet and. Uh, know the wood form blocks and stuff and now of course all that stuff comes ready to go and just frankly perfect (laughs) so it's a it's evolved a lot and then you go to the quick build like like dave has where i mean you're literally getting structures you know the canopy fitting is is something that a lot of builders uh
1: struggle struggle with
3: (laughs) to put it politely (laughs) Um, in fact they even send two canopies one that goes overseas like to Australia they'll they'll just send you two just so that because to try to ship a canopy by itself is um you know so so pricey they just give you two right off the bat yeah well, and, and, it, <laughs> and in shipment
1: they're very fragile yeah. I mean unless they're yeah. supported by some kind of structure uh but the uh and mike was what we were talking about is that not only are the parts, really beautiful because now the sheet metal parts are laser cut computer controlled and and it, you know when you say you get a copy of something it's like they had a Xerox machine spitting out rib blanks or a 3D printer printing 3D ones identical to one another because they are uh, but what really impresses me about the Sonic's approach is the way it's organized so that you start with small parts that go into bigger structures and you keep adding to it. Uh, they're not the only company that does this by any means, but they're r- really quite good at it. But a r- number of companies, uh, Zenith, Vans, uh, Sonex, they st- offer a, a, a tail kit that you can get into for the least amount of money if, uh, in the project. And they make it easy to build, and they make it easy to gain confidence in it because they do so much advanced work for for you. And you get that together and you go, well, it wasn't so bad. The rest of it shouldn't be so bad. Uh, But it's that organizing, how they've got these blueprints set up so you follow this blue building tree. You build these little parts, and these parts go into the bigger parts, and the bigger parts now suddenly suddenly become an assembly, and assembly goes on a wing, and now you've got an aileron, now you've got a flap, you've got a spar built. And it just keeps progressing into bigger structures until you've got a finished airplane. But then there's all this non-metal work that has to go into it you know you're going to want a panel you're going to want radios and navigation and communication you're going to want you're going to have to wire the airplane to do this
2: now if i were building that i think and i don't know because it i haven't been there but i think that would be the fun part
1: no uh i don't know i'm not there yet uh i've got enough uh basic electrical training and experience uh thanks to our uncle sugar and my my service time years uncle ago sugar uncle sugar okay that uh I have a great respect for how much I do not know about wiring and electricity, yeah. but- I, I think I can figure it out. There's great advice from EAA. There's some great books that have been written about it. There's a lot of there's thousands and thousands of other builders out there that communicate through these communities. And if you can't find the answers to the questions you need, then uh, you, you, then you call Charlie because he gives his cell phone you, number you, out to every. You, 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 no, no.
2: All, Do I have that wrong? All,
0: all Charlie will all Charlie will tell them is don't let the smoke out of the wires.
2: <laughs> so so what Charlie, what is the part that is the most frequently uh, confounding for builders? Kit builders. Let's let's talk still about kit builders. But
3: honestly, the kits these days, you know, we have sporter workshops that'll teach you the basics of getting started. You know, if you're here at the Fly In you can attend free basic training on sheet metal composite fabric. Really the the structure the structural part of it is not the hard part for a lot of builders it uh, honestly we probably get the mo- we had we get the most questions about just how do you get through the fa paperwork process but we created a kit for that of about i don't know, probably 10 10 years ago the other thing that we've had great success with is our hints for home builder videos because uh, i mean i use them myself all the time but we have over 400 of them and wow. you know you can just In seven or eight minutes, you can watch a video on how to do a specific operation. And that has been a tremendous resource because I think we're all, you know, like, you know, not only do you get to see it, you get to hear it, you know, the person talks you through it and shows it to you. It's a, you know, short of a hands-on workshop, it's the, it's the best way to learn something. So when you look at the home builder today compared to, you know, even 15 years ago, there's so much more out there that's readily accessible so, really, the building process has gotten a whole lot easier. And the kit companies that are around today, you know, it's not the go-go days of the, you know, 80s where, you know, when you go to the, the fly-in that there's, you know, 35 different kit manufacturers. But in some ways, that's a good thing because you've got the Sonics, the Rans, the Zenith, the Vans. I mean, these are all established companies. And, like, I was just looking at the Sonics beam model the other day, and, you know, it's not dramatically different than their last you know than the one dave's building but when you're a builder you see all these little refinements that they've that they've incorporated into this iteration of the of the sonics and you think wow that's going to make it a whole lot easier to build
0: that and that's the reason for these refinements is to to enhance the builder experience as opposed to, you know, fix an in-service problem that's been discovered?
3: Not to fix any problems, but um, basically feedback on, like, they want a little bit wider cockpit. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's one. and uh, But also to make it easier to build uh, uh, from the builder's standpoint. And... I mean, I just can't say enough about the kits that are on the market today. They are, they, you know, there's less of them, but the ones that are there are mature products, and they are, you know, debugged and they're very buildable.
1: Well, and Sonex on the B model is one example of the evolution of a type, where a, a number of the changes they made in the B model involve feedback from builders based on them those builders spending money on optional work that is now incorporated as standard work. And the the price is higher when you just compare, you know, this kit to that, the the A kit to the B kit. But then you have to take into account the extra things that they're doing that were options before that aren't anymore. And it's easier to see the value in that, like uh, probably the most complex assembly challenge challenges most builders on a lot of these airplanes and not just the sonics on vans uh, when i was working on it it was the most frequently tapped option was having them build the spar for you because that takes some big solid rivets that take a lot of force and a little more than average skill than doing just regular sheet metal rivets or certainly pull rivets well Vans has improved the availability of uh, pre-built spars. Sonex is making it standard on their new kit. Uh, I think if you look at Randy Schlitter's new airplane, the sheet metal airplane that Rand's is uh, talking about here this week, uh, more work done on that, get it in the air faster. And based on feedback that he's got, an all-metal airplane instead of a cloth-covered airplane, because if you don't bend it, you never have to recover a metal airplane. <laughs> now, you're also building your engine, aren't you? Yes, sir. Talk about that for a minute. Uh, well, the check, fi- final check went out on Thursday. Uh, the kit will be in somewhat ahead of me actually needing it, but I took it's, advantage of it's some the, incentives. Uh,
2: it's the Aero V, which is a VW derivative, and you're doing the turbo version, and right? doing the turbo version, okay. yeah.
1: It's purely speed greed. Uh, and seriously, uh, yeah. the turbocharged engine will hold horsepower at a uh, higher level at higher altitude and. The reduced drag up there means airplane go faster yeah. without a tremendous fuel penalty. Uh, but I used to build my Harley-Davidson engines. Uh, I've worked on diesel engines. It's a skill within my basic grasp. But then one of my best friends is a specialist in working on motorcycle engines. Uh, okay, there we go. And he's going to come out, and the two of us are going to build the engine together. Yeah, all right. But it, too, is a very well-put-together kit. Charlie we
3: basically don't have to add
1: anything except oil and oil. Yeah, you're going to make a point.
3: Well, my, I just wanted to point out. I mean, Dave's in a perfect situation to build up his own engine. But yeah. honestly, when you look at VW engines or even Continentals and and the and like Homings, they're pretty straightforward engines. I mean, compared to a lot of the things that you might see out there today in the automotive world and um you know i built up the rov on on our uh, on the, the the one that i built and at the end of the day the guidance is awesome and there's a video you, you between the guidance and the video i mean i went into it pretty much cold i was not a gearhead engine guy at all you just follow the plans you can put one together and these right. are pretty straightforward engines they are not I mean, everyone just thinks, you know, it's funny because they think, oh, my God, you know, how could you build your engine? It's like you've built the airplane. You've the kind of figured out how to figure stuff out, you know. You could do the engine. I hear what you're saying, and I
2: understand the truth of it, <laughs> but my God, is not going there. Well, I don't Jack, know.
1: This was Jack's reaction. Oh, yeah? You have to build the engine? I said no i don't have to they offer an engine option that comes pre-built but a I, I don't want to spend that much b i don't want to spend that much and c i want faster well uh,
0: when he told me that he was buying his engine as a kit and needed to assemble it and that it was you know all the parts were going to get like assembled this you know, like this week or something coming up or, and then it was going to get shipped to him I, my first thought that ran through my mind was, you know, go get some some priests from a Far East religion and have them sprinkle, you know, fran, frankincense and myrrh and, and burn incense around the factory and, and, and all this kind of thing. Give it some incantation so that they did it correctly.
1: But, but that's a, just me. I've owned a couple of Volkswagens i had an old volkswagen and it just keeps getting better and in a in a hopped up bug with flared fenders and big tires and dual carbs so you're
2: saying there were aerodynamics on this car already so man you were well
1: the engine part was the fun part i had to rebuild a a fiat uh, 124 spider engine Uh, we pulled that off it ran for years after Uh, a buddy of mine helped pull the volkswagen motor out of it and we put in bigger cylinders and pistons and hopped it up to 1800 whopping cc's and it, it made that little bug run like spit uh so it's you know it, the power that you need there and like charlie said these are really basic yeah. motors yeah. i mean air cooled uh they're not fuel injected this one does have a little more trickle ignition system than standard magnetos but At the end of the day, it's still your standard suck, squeeze, bang, blow. Yeah,
3: yeah, and I would add, you know, the the current version of the you know the Aero V, and this is true of any of the VWs that people are using in aircraft. I mean, they're dual ignition, typically multiple. Um, you know, like in the Aero V, there's an electronic ignition and a, a magnetron, which is basically a magneto. So, I mean, they've come a long way from the early versions of the VW conversions, and they're quite a refined product at this point. They're fully insurable. You know, if you go with one of the name brands, cool. like you know.
1: One thing that will absolutely confuse and confound some pilots is you gotta use the opposite rudder when you put the throttle forward because the engine turns the wrong direction. Oh. Interesting. But it's really not that torquey an engine. And yeah. if you can't keep it straight like in a checkout or some duel that I got in it here last February. Uh, all the way taxiing out, I'm trying to get a feel of the tail wheel steering, feel how sensitive it is. Very responsive, very positive, nothing spongy about it. Just remember to use the opposite foot. Charlie, will you stay
2: with us for just a, a little piece of our next segment? Absolutely. Okay, great, because we want to we talk about um, uh, things that you might be suggesting or advising people to make sure they do while they're here. We're going to take a break and make sure that we've got that final quarter to plunk in the meter. You're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace
1: on EAA Radio. Hey, mister, could you break a 10 for quarters?
2: Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. Very nice, very nice. Is on the air with us Monday night at 6 after the air show.
0: You are correct, sir.
2: (laughs) Get that? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And Sunday morning at 10 while the departure conga line forms. You cannot use that first (laughs) taxiway. Tune in to EAA Radio Monday night at 6 and Sunday morning at 10 for the radio broadcasting version of the Uncontrolled Airspace General Aviation Podcast. I think it's cooler now, it's not, man. Pretend I didn't talk about that they could have titled their podcast class G airspace but i can distill it down into something much simpler why, why is this coming to light now a slow news day back now with more of uncontrolled airspace on eaa radio so our meter is good to go i know i've said that 3 times in a row now but Plunk, you, you just
1: never know clink changed back, oh, back
2: back now with uh, dave higdon uh, jeb burnside and uh, charlie becker who stayed with us while he could be attending a party right now (laughs) this is
0: a party (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to ask charlie um it's been two years since the one week wonder project and you if I, i don't know i think instrumental and and uh the underlying inspiration for that project is sitting right here with us and i think that's i don't i don't think that's exaggeration so we had a conversation late in that show when it was clear that that project was a success. And the question that Jack and I asked was, what do you do to top
2: this? Because it was not just a success. It was not just it a success. It was a knock-it-out-of-the-ballpark, people-standing-in-line-a-long-time-to-participate yeah. 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 kind of success. It, it
0: was Why didn't we think of this a long time ago kind of success? So my question, Charlie, is how do you beat that? And two years later, what do you do next?
3: Well, this year, for those that were involved in the One Week Wonder, we, do, we are inviting everybody back. We finally painted the aircraft because, unfortunately, we took it down to Florida, where you live, Jeb, and yep. starting to get a little surface yep. corrosion. Yep. <laughs> and the reality is we needed to get it painted. Now, everybody voted on a paint scheme, mm-hmm. if you'll remember, although I really kind of got... Quite attached to the unpainted version. I, I,
0: I thought it was. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> but,
3: Absolutely brilliant. But we didn't intend for the Sharpie signatures that everybody signed the rivet. You know, we didn't intend for them to last forever.
0: I, I think the company probably wants to hide the results. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the the Sharpie company.
3: Yeah, So it's been painted, and we're inviting everybody this week to come by and digitally sign their name. And we will then lay that digital signature on one of the vinyl stripes that's going to go on the aircraft. So that's what we're doing this year. Uh, we will build another aircraft at, at Oshkosh. There's no question about it. And uh, last year we built five sets of wings to kickstart. Five different chapter build projects. And um, that was not the home, you know, Grand Slam home run that the One Week Wonder was, but it was a cool project. I, I think a lot of people enjoyed it. And, you know, at the end of the day, next year, we're going to see five new aircraft back that'll hopefully also have kickstarted five flying clubs. So, I mean, when you think about, you know, the propagation out of what A week at Oshkosh can be. I think there's a, you know, specifically a tangible result there. But but I've been kicking around when we're going to build that next one, and I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be in 17, but I don't think it'll be any later than 18.
0: How do do you do you go with what worked the first time, and and try to get the the hands-on involvement, or is there? You try to do it all in one week. Is there some other um, attraction? Is there some other sizzle?
3: Well, I, I definitely think um, t- to do it again, we definitely want the, the involvement of so many different people because, you know, I, I was saying all week that, the, the, you know, two years ago when we built that aircraft, I said, most people think we're trying to build an aircraft in a week. That was not the goal. My goal in this was to rope in as many people as possible to just get them to consider the idea of building their own aircraft. You know, um, you know, many of us have dreamed of that, and it's just a question of you know the right things aligning. But for a lot of people, they've never even considered it, and they think it's like some insurmountable task, kind of like building the engine, like we were talking about. Like, oh my God, how could you build your own engine? Well. You know, a lot of people see the the building of the airframe the exact same way. And as we all know, they're they're relatively basic, straightforward, light structures. We
0: know how to do this. This, Yeah. This technology is something with which we're familiar these
3: days. Yeah. And, you know, with the advent of the pole rivet, I mean, it's really eliminated a lot of the... um, I mean, I love to weld, but I get the fact that you have to invest a tremendous amount of time to get to the level that, you know, you'd be comfortable welding an airframe, you know. Pull rivet, man! I can teach you. You can do the first three wrong, and in, you know within fifteen minutes, I've got you on the straight and narrow path. And you could, you know, you're you're not going to get any better.
0: Yeah. As an aside, you're doing the welding on your um, Super Cub clone. Yeah, absolutely. Out-
3: outstanding.
1: Yeah, outstanding. So what's if you were a first timer, and could have somebody knowledgeable tell you what to, you should be looking at here this week in in different areas.
3: What would what would you point out to them? Well, I would tell them to try on every kit aircraft for size. You know, sit in them all, make sure that it's what you want. And I try I try to tell everybody, you know, come in with kind of sit down and 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 plan out what what is your real mission. You know, I mean, what do you really want out of an aircraft? Because you know, the first project I started, I didn't finish because I kind of outgrew it as I was building it. You know, I realized that it, it had kind of gone beyond the definition of what that aircraft could do for me, and I lost interest in it. Okay. So, making sure you fit, because, you know, the worst thing you could do is build an aircraft and not enjoy flying it because you're uncomfortable. You know, there's a lot, you know, you can look at the performance specs on an aircraft and you might go, that's the airplane for me. But if you're uncomfortable the whole time you fly it, I mean, you're, you know, not,
1: you're not going to yeah, fly it very you know, much.
3: Yeah, so I'd try them all on. I, you know, I'd get, in, I'd attend some of the workshops to get a feel for, you know, composite or sheet metal. You know, what is it you like to build? Um, you know, if you're motivated, if you're in love with that project, you'll you'll see clear to getting it done at some point. It might take you longer than you thought, but you know, you'll be motivated. And how about the show in general? Well, the show in general, you know, uh, there are a couple of interesting things. I just want to mention that that i think are particularly good the one that i have waited so long for is that we are finally going to have autogas on the field for our members mm, i mean you know we very cool the irony of this whole thing is that we got the autogas sdc 40 years ago i think it was you know 1982 and uh, for, so, for all the years that I've been coming, since ninety four, I'm not aware of us ever being able to sell autogas to anybody who flew in. And, you know, I fly a, a home-built J3 Cub right now, and, you know, I prefer autogas, um, you know, to run in that. And so to, to come to convention and not be able to get it has always been kind of this, a head-scratcher for me. But we don't really sell fuel, as a general rule. Uh, to get this done, though, we actually went out and bought a fuel truck. And so, you'll see a big EA MoGas on the side of the truck, and it's going to spend half of its time up north in the home-built area and the other half down in the south end of the field selling fuel. So, I think that's just super cool, and and my hat's off to Jack Pelton for making that happen, because it wouldn't have happened without him. The other one that I'll I'll throw out there, because I'm betting that Jack's not going to get this done by Monday uh, to publish, is uh, (laughs) is that we are uh, we have put a deal in place where, as a new member benefit for anybody who's an EA member, they'll be able to download a non-commercial license uh, of SolidWorks software. Now, if you're unfamiliar with SolidWorks, this is the preeminent design software that's out there today. In fact, Sonics uses it, Zenith, I know, uh, Rainbow Aviation, Brian Carpenter. the one I'm building in EMG-6, I'm also building in addition to the Cub, is all designed in SolidWorks. And it's just amazing. I mean, it 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 is amazing what this can do. And I think that the ability to download, download this for free as an EA member and use the software, not commercially, but I mean, even to be able to work in it, I'm really hoping that there'll be some uh, grassroots embracing of this software to the point where I'll develop you know, maybe a different landing gear or a different whatever it is and share that with the community. And, I mean, I've seen the tremendous things that the, EA's communi- the EA community has done over the years, and I could see where this could be a tremendous asset for the home builder uh, going forward. The sharing of Im- little improvements to designs, you know, like, oh, here's a fairing I designed in SolidWorks. It'll be perfect for... You know, a YX, and then you can just make it available. And with the advent of 3D printing, uh, because this will, you know, this will be able to port right into making a 3D printed part, I just see a lot of great things coming out of the Homebuilt movement and
0: that's a that's a new benefit that EAA is going to bestow on e, just the rank and file member
3: yep any member uh, ea.org/solidworks for more information cool. and i mean this is a you know if you bought it it's like a $6000 a year I ask software i mean the, it what is
0: what the retail
3: is on this it that's is, that's a significant deal it is it is huge it'll do I mean you you design stuff in there and it's literally photorealistic three-dimensional. I mean it it's just amazing. And it doesn't have amazing. to be just aircraft parts. No, no, you could design yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. You know, well, a new I, beer
1: beer cooler, or, uh, you know. Well, and for guys that are doing their own building their own airplanes, who it's amazing how many creative ideas come from right. the builders.
3: Absolutely.
1: Who look at the plans, look at the parts and figure out a smarter, better way to do it, maybe refabricate the part. That this is going to be in a way that people who have an idea can design it, engineer it, and build the part for their own airplane, because they get to do that.
3: Yeah. I, in fact, uh, I've been talking with Sebastian Heinz from Zenith, and he's really excited about this whole idea, because he really sees it as a source of uh-huh. of improving their design.
0: Yeah, it kind of puts a new twist on the on the old phrase and and the, the regulatory. Uh, uh, concept of owner-produced part. That's right.
3: Very slick. Cool. That's very slick. cool.
0: Congratulations to EAA for
3: that. Yeah, I, I think it's a tremendous benefit, and I. The other area that I think is it'll be huge for is um, you know the kids that are getting involved. You know the teenagers that you know go through Young eels and get bit by the aviation bug. I mean, they're going to, you know, adapt this like a duck to water. And, I mean, and, you know, that's a skill that if they pursue it, I mean, it'll drive them towards engineering and they'll come out with a job. I guarantee it. It's the
0: way of the future. Mm -hmm. It's the way of the
1: future. Or maybe become another software designer.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Figure out a better way to do it than SOLIDWORKS. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Millions of lines of code. So I've got to to turn my own mic up before
2: I talk. That's why they hire me. Why do you keep doing that? because I have I have guests who are. you, are you,
0: are you who trying are, to get a job at
2: NPR? I have guests who are exhaling through their nose and into <laughs> microphones. That is why.
3: <laughs> that is. Just why. for the record, am I a guest? Because well, I think consider those guys part of the podcast. Well, I'm a guest. Charlie. Right? So are you blaming this on me? No, Absolutely no, not. No. Okay. Charlie I
0: is a um, uh, long standing, perhaps one of the first. Uh, of the uh, long list of friends of the podcast and uh, there's a lot of things that would not have happened and i don't i dare say we wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for charlie well, so somewhere
1: uh, that needs to be on the record somewhere our producer has absconded with a sign that says ucap 200 that i remember seeing filled with beer at the visitor center stage once that's right and you had well you had had a lot to do with that charlie that was the genesis of the ucap tie down party yep i remember that because you you had to do something a lot of extra beer
3: it's not like we could drink them wink wink nod nod i will i will say that i have and i bet i'm not it would be interesting to take a survey of the of the listeners but i have i have in fact listened to every episode, I wow. haven't even listened to every episode. Neither have I, and wow. I was there. Does your Does your analyst know about this? Problem? Well, I know. I was debating about whether I should share that knowledge, but I Jack, figure I'm Jack, not you the use only your one. Jack, on whether this gets cut out. I'll schedule a support group later in the week for anyone who's actually listened to all 400 and plus episodes. Wow, yeah. that's impressive.
1: I can't claim that, and I can't even claim I've showed you up were for all part 400 of all. episodes, but. <laughs>
2: So we have just a few minutes remaining before we uh, we actually do run out of quarters on the meter. But I, I want to ask you, what's the number one first thing, uh, Jeb Burnside, that you're going to be looking to do when the show officially opens Monday morning?
0: Number one first thing, um, by Monday morning, I'll be anxious to get into the hangars and uh, see what the exhibits look like. I'll, I want to walk around the aircraft display area. Or or, I, I forget. Um, whatever that area is that's to the west and north of uh, Aeroshell Square, which I know is not called Aeroshell Square anymore, but it is what it is. That's yeah. is. I'm, I'm old school We're, we're talking
2: about Hangar ABCD and then the exhibitors write, around the, those? Yes, yep. It, some of us fall area. back on the west ramp. But, yeah, there's oh, yeah. all that, too, yeah. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, I want to see what's out there.
2: Um, now, this is then, not this is not because you're racing to buy oil, is it? Because you do that, right? I do
0: that. I I scored. Um, well, here's the problem: buying oil at Oshkosh, it has to get to Florida somehow.
2: Oh yeah. And
0: yeah. I, I just don't want to schlep it in the back of the Bonanza, in the back of the Deb. Um, so. I'll have it. I'll have to have it shipped, and that starts to eat away at the cost savings of buying it at the show. Yep. So my, my preference is to buy it at the uh, at the either the Sebring show or the or the um, the, other, fun. Yeah, the other yeah, Sun and Fun. I was going to say the other one down the road. Um, that way, I can just drive yeah. back and forth. So, right.
2: so Dave, what's your number <laughs> one stop when the show opens?
1: Uh, work. Uh, I'm on assignment. Uh, I've, I've got several writing projects to do. But since I'm here for the first time in over 20 years, not tied to another project, uh, I'm going to satisfy my work commitments, hit some press conferences. I've uh, got one starting Sunday evening, uh, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's I'm, I'm going to hit only kind of the hit ones too. I absolutely positively have a need for. Okay, And in between... I'm going to go to wiring workshops and avionics workshops and engine building workshops. And as much of this stuff as I can squeeze in, there's a couple of uh, events for builders of the same line of airplanes. And I'm looking forward to getting more enmeshed in that community because I've learned so much from these guys that I've never talked to. Looking forward to seeing the red arrow. I'm sorry, not the red arrow. the Canadian snowbirds. It's been years since I've seen them. There is no more drop dead gorgeous routine in the air yeah. than the Canadian snowbirds. Uh, it is not the high energy, boom bang stuff that you get from the uh, Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds. It's really graceful. Uh, looking forward to seeing the water bomber. Uh, I, I'm,
0: I was going to say, we, we've talked about this, I think, in, in 407 or, or whatever. But, yeah, I, I just want to, you know, I, I'm not going to get up close and personal with it. They won't let me. And I don't want to swim that far out, actually. Um, but um, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I hope they hope they do some low passes
2: down the main runway with it. Can I do a little brag? Of course. Uh, sure. You're, you're I'm, the producer. I'm scheduled to be in the water bomber tomorrow morning. So it's likely that on EA Radio there will be a, a package about the give, water bomber. Give me here. your ID,
1: guys. You know, <laughs> you know, you guys could just about trade places. You know that
2: he's way better looking than I am. Oh. I've, I've been too long back in the corner with my digital um, uh, digital ra- razor, blade. razor blade and splicing tape.
1: Yeah. I'm pasty as, as a result well, that, you...
0: that, yeah okay that's just that's just Florida <laughs> mostly
1: <laughs> I'm camping with a group of people that I, I, I've gotten to know over yep. the years at a show that I've been blessed to attend as, on a working level for come, oh, more than 30 years now great uh, and it's the coming back and reacquainting with old friends making new yeah. friends it's right rooted in airplanes but it's all about the people and we're gonna have a chance to talk about all those things not so much
2: me because i think this is the last time jack's letting me in front of a mic this week but which is probably good but then uh, you've got a whole legion of other friends of the podcast who are going to be involved in the production of ucap dailies this week which is going to be a lot of fun
1: I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, it's been a long time since Jim and I have been able to work this show together uh, on, on a basis that suits our proclivities and I'm I'm really excited about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah it, 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 This is a low-stress uh, year for me uh, I, I don't really have any I don't have any deadlines on how many assignments associated with the show I have a lot of responsibilities but Uh, No one's breathing down my neck to to make a deadline.
2: So I'm going to predict that the dailies are going to be really interesting because of all the cool stuff you'll get a chance to look at and talk about. At
0: least from from where I sit, there will be less stress involved in them.
2: Well, that's all good.
1: Yeah. And it's Wisconsin in July, and it's Oshkosh, and we're back in the barrel for another roll. And we are.
2: So thanks for listening to this special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EA Radio. Very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace. A- indeed. And, uh, you know, for the next big long one, uh, our, our fearless leader, Jack, is going to be back. Uh, and uh, so that's a good thing. That's a great I, since thing. I,
0: I may not be here for that one. I, I, we haven't worked out all the details of – I haven't worked out all the details of when I go back. But I may not be here for that. So,
3: Okay. yeah, Go ahead. Can I just add one thing, Mike? Please do. I feel like we're reaching the end of our allotted time. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I've wanted to say that for a while. Well, I'm
2: so glad you did that because I don't have the script from Jack that has me sort of talking about everybody and what they do and how you can contact them on Twitter. Uh, All I can do
1: is S. Ask. Were you going to say something, Dave? It's only one way to live long and enjoy life like we get to, and that's to go fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Otherwise, we still wouldn't be here. Indeed. Jeb?
0: Jack, come see us.